I want to welcome everybody back to another episode of Acquired Tastings. This is Josh Mills, and I've got one of my good friends with me, Jordan, here tonight. Uh, we're going to be doing a beer podcast. Uh, we're going to be doing, uh, we've got barrel-aged beer. So, Jordan, you want to tell everybody what beer you brought? I brought the Old Rasputin Barrel A number 21. Yeah, it's going to be good. And I've got the uh, Mother Familius from Mother's Brewing, and it's the Bourbon Barrel Age one. So with our food tonight, uh, to go with the Old Rasputin, we've got some stout and steak pie. steak pie. That's right. Stout and steak pie. We've got some tiramisu, and we have a bruschetta with some goat cheese and a kind of a roasted tomato spread. And with the Mother Familius, we've got some brie cheese. We have some spicy... Italian sausage with some peppers, and then we have the apple pie filling that you made, right? Yes. That's yeah, going to be a good one. So we're going to kind of get into it here in just a minute, because I got to talk about my blind from last week when I was, you know, the really, really long podcast with Joe and Jeff. Um, I remember it being a red wine. Um, it was very, very vegetable. And the wine was... Oh, I called it a California, a, uh, a cool climate California Cabernet uh, Sauvignon, and it was actually a Chinon. So Cab Franc from the Loire, I kind of totally messed that one up, <laughs> but cool. All right. Well, let's, uh, you ready to get into this beer? Sure. All right. So we're going to start with yours, the North Coast Brewing Old Rasputin. So we're doing all bourbon barrel aged beers, so... <laughs> Of the first, I don't know about you, but the first thing I smell is bourbon. Bourbon and some vanilla. Yeah, there's definitely some vanilla in there. Almost like smelling it out of the bottle, like some cocoa nibs. Yeah, it's it's so good. It just it may, it brings a smile to my face because I know it's gonna taste delicious. Oh, yum! yum. Wow. So old. So this ba- this beer is based on old Rasputin. You've had old Rasputin, right? Have I had old Rasputin before? <laughs> Yes, many a time at the Flying Saucer. Yeah, Jordan is Jordan is like me. We're both really big stout heads, so we love this type of beer. So the the base Imperial Stout here is the Old Rasputin. So you get that like really rich uh, kind of almost want to call it. It's not caramely, but it has that kind of like sweet feel to it. Caramel and dark chocolate. Yeah, and then it's just like wrapped in a it's wrapped in bourbon. It's, so it tastes really, really good. It's kind of thin on the mouth, though, for being an imperial stout. It doesn't really kind of coat, coat my mouth like I was expecting. Mm-mm, mine either. Yeah. So um, let's get into some of this food. Jordan, can you tell us a little bit about the, the pie that we have? Yeah, the steak and the steak pie. So the steak and scotch pie is actually one that comes from Trader Joe's frozen food section. We love Trader Joe's. <laughs> Trader Joe's is my favorite place. Um, and it has got a crust. A pastry crust, and then you've got potato, carrot, steak pieces, and like a stout sauce on the inside. And you literally take it from frozen, frozen to table. You just unwrap it out of the plastic, put it in the oven for about 45 minutes. It is, comes out piping hot. And mm. Really rich, hearty. We finally got a cool down here in Arkansas for a little bit. So rather than being in the 90s, we've been in the low 70s been really nice so kind of fall high is really comfortable. Ooh, kind of brings out the bourbon to me 
being yeah i think the bourbon comes out more with this pairing yeah it really kind of brings out the that sweet um uh, roastiness of the of the bourbon and definitely holds on to the sweet i think it, it's a good pairing because the you know the pie's got the good meat the rich heartiness and the beer can stand up to it yeah a lot of times i've had you know pies like this before with other beers and just they don't they don't have the weight to really hold up to it and so kind of what we did with the pairings tonight, we kind of did a, uh, we did a main, we did kind of an appetizer, and then we did a sweet. Being, being that these beers have a, a extra level of kind of sweetness to them, we thought having a dessert pairing would be kind of fun. So Jordan, you. We probably should have started with the appetizer, but yeah. that steak and scotch pie was staring me in the face. <laughs> that steak, that, that pie is so good. And it's the, this is what, the third time? Second or third it? time that we've had this. And I just remember the first time we did it, we're like, oh, I wonder, you know, this is going to be okay. You know, it's coming from Frozen. It can't be that. And we taste it. And what in the world happened? Like, why should I even make pot pie? <laughs> exactly. I mean, if Trader Joe's has got it for Frozen so good, like, we love Trader Joe's. If you haven't heard, you know, we talk a lot about Trader Joe's. Yeah, this, this pie is, it's really, really, really good, especially with the beer thing. So, Jordan, you mentioned that you've had um, a lot of beer. The, Old Rasputin a couple times at uh, Flying Saucer. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about what kind of Flying Saucer is and how does it kind of come into your journey as a beer drinker? So Flying Saucer is a beer emporium. They do not brew anything themselves, but they carry a lot of beers from all around the world. They have um, about 80 to 90 taps, and then they have over 200 beers total between bottles and taps. Wow. Um, and I started going to the saucer back uh, probably 2007, eight. It's been a minute. And I joined their beer club. And that really forced me to get into other beers because I've always been a brown stout. Um, still can't wrap my head around IPAs, Ooh. but it does force me to drink some IPAs. And I have found one or two that I enjoy. What do you, why does it force you? How does it force you? There just aren't enough stouts and porters, browns, to get to the level to hit your plate number. Oh, that's right. So the, the beer club, what happens is if you get what, two, it's 200 beers for a plate, and then they give you what they call the plate party, where they give you a $100 tab to go towards food. They say it's not supposed to cover alcohol, but I've never had a problem with it. <laughs> um, and then they reveal your plate to the entire bar, um, and it's you can invite your friends, and they set up a time. So it's just it's fun, and if you're a beer drinker and you have one um, close, totally worth it. Yeah. So like when you go into a flying saucer, they have plates, like actual China style plates, all over the walls, and it's kind of you know part of their you know kitschy decor. But then on the ceilings, there are these plate. I mean, they look like just silver kind of tray plates. And you'll see different colors and you'll see different names on them. And that's what Jordan's talking about is, you know, you get do 200, um, 200 beers, um, but they, but you can't repeat, right? It has to be 200, um, separate. The, the only way you can repeat is if they happen to have, say, for instance, they have Guinness on tap, but they have Guinness in a bottle. Um, that's the only way you can repeat beer within it plate and that does happen some but not mm -hmm. as often okay that makes sense and then once you hit this 200 you're like yay way to go you've made you've got your first plate now the other thing 
There's only a certain number of beers you can have a night, right? They limit you to three a night that you can get credit for. So they have computers set up. It's changed a little bit because of COVID. It's now all online, but they have computers set up. You have a card, you swipe, you print out your, they call them chits, but you print out like your beer slips and you turn those into your bartender. They pour you that beer. And then at the end of the night or the next morning, they'll log all of that to your account. And that's how they keep track. So everything is kept track electronic. Okay. That's really cool. Yeah. And it's, you know, and then, you know, next time, next time you go around, they'll change the color of your, of your name on your plate. And I think they have it through 10, right? 10, there are 10 different colors. I mean, I know beer dad's gone around like, you know, 45,000 times. Uh, There are 10 different plates officially. There are people who have surpassed that beer dad. Who's actually a friend of ours father has like 25 plates or something ridiculous <laughs> yeah and so he's i mean he's a re- now he's a retired guy yeah. he just he loves that social aspect so he would, and he loves beer so he'd just go down and you know have some beers talk with people and it, it just became his daily thing and you know he was one of the first plate getters at our little rock yeah Isn't i think right? he was one of the first he wasn't the first i just happened to know because i've sat at that bar enough and stared at the plates. The first one was a guy named John Lamb. Don't know him. Just know that he was the first plate in the Little Rock location. Well, hey, John, if you're listening. (laughs) Congratulations. Yeah, you're number one. Woo! And I think he only has one plate, too. That is correct. (laughs) But, yeah, so, and then when you get up to, like, some of the higher levels, they actually start rewarding you more besides just parties. Yeah, I know. it's like seven. Plate eight, you, plate eight, you get a stein that they actually order in from Germany. Yeah, and it's one of like the really ornamental ones that have like the, t- the, lid. the lid and everything. So you do get some things like that. You can start to get swag. You start to get like t-shirts, you know, free stuff along the way. Yeah, at, fif- at 50 beers, you get like a $5 reward off your bar tab. Um, 100 beers, because it's always done on increments of 50. I think it's like a $10 150 is $15 or a free piece of merch you can choose. Yeah. I always take the money off my bar tab. <laughs> I would too. <laughs> and then you get your 200 where you get your plate party. So it's, it's fun. Yeah. It's a, it, you know, it's a cool way to, you know, have that bar that you're going to and force yourself to try other things. I know my dad thought about becoming part of the club, but he's like, I don't really want to. This was way back you know, beer. He's like, I don't really want to expand. I, I know the beers I like. I don't want to have to, you know, really think when I go in there and I don't go in that often. And so, cause, cause you know, it does, I mean, it takes a commitment, you know, 200, you know, 200 beers at three a night. What the fastest you can do it is in like nine months. That's it's not, faster uh, than fast, that. I think it's like, six, no, it's not six, but that's 90. It's around, that's the, what's that's 90 beers. Um, that's 90 beers a month. So if you do it every day, you can get yeah, two and a half months because the math comes out to 66.66. <laughs> yeah. So, and, uh, <clears throat> so it, it's a fun way to do that. So if you have a local, um, flying saucer and you're like, well, I'm just kind of curious, but get down there, go down there. If yours is open because of the COVID stuff, they're, gr- they're great. And they really, they usually have a really, really knowledgeable staff that's in there. I think one, uh, one of the managers that's there is Cicerone. Was the first Cicerone in the state of Arkansas. Yeah, he's, and he's a really, really cool guy. And, but all their servers know a lot about beer. 
because they'll do tastings, like small tastings with their servers, especially if they get a new beer in. They'll pour like small taste for everybody and then talk about it so that your server can actually speak to you mm-hmm. on a knowledgeable basis. And then if the server doesn't know about a beer, there is somebody there that usually does so they can go over to another staff member and just say, hey, I got asked about beer X. I don't know about this one. Can you give me some highlights? Mm. You know, this beer is changing a little bit as it warms up. You know, it's stouts usually do. They'll start to open up as they get warmer, you know. We've kind of hit it. We, my dad and I have kind of hinted at it before. You know, there are places in the world that will drink their beer, you know, near room temperature, or, you know, cellar temperature around 55 degrees. And stouts definitely do a whole lot better. When I don't enjoy them when they get like room temperature warm, but as they warm, they open up. Like this one is showing a lot more of that coffee, coke, bitter chocolate, mm-hmm, and just, but still with that undertone of bourbon. Now it doesn't overpower it. No, not it's at a, all. It's a really, really good balance. And, you know, that old Rasputin by itself is genius. I have it. Yeah, for sure. Need a bunch. So, well, cool. You want to try uh, one of our other pairings? You wanna... Yeah, because I'm going through this yeah. beer way too fast. So, yeah. we better move on to something else <laughs> before there's no beer left. Let's, uh, let's go to the appetizer. Let's go to the, okay. uh, the goat cheese. So, what I did with this one is I had some cherry tomatoes in my fridge that were kind of getting ready to go. And so I took a couple cloves of garlic, uh, a handful of those cherry tomatoes, and about a half an onion, sliced them up, roasted them in the oven, and then blended them up real quick to kind of make a paste. Uh, added cilantro, uh, not so much, I'm a 10 percenter. Um, I added rosemary, uh, thyme, and oregano to it. Put it on the stove to kind of uh, create a spread out of it. And what I wanted to do, and then I took some fresh goat cheese, cut it, put it on top. Because this way, I kind of wanted to reverse uh, bruschetta. Because most of the time, you know, you have the layer of cheese at the bottom and have the fresh tomatoes on top. So this one's kind of reversed. And it's a, you know, you can check out the picture in the Instagram. And it's a really cool um, kind of look at it. And I did this because I really think the acid from the tomatoes and the roastiness is going to go really well with that. I'm going to stop talking. And then that richness. Mm. That's delicious. Man, that's, that's like the bruschetta itself is just really good. <laughs> it is. That tomato paste mixture you made is really flavorful. And it that acidity of the goat cheese sets it off nicely. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to try it with it. Ooh. Oh, that's good. Oh, man. That like, it brings out a fruitiness in the beer. Yeah. That like, I was not <clears throat> expecting to get. I wasn't either. And like there's a fruitiness of the, in the beer now. Still with the undertone of the barrel. Because it's um, but it brings out like a, a floral, a fruitiness that you expect to have in the stout itself <clears throat> that wasn't presenting itself when we were just uh, having it by itself. That's really good. Mm. Like, this is almost happy dance good. <laughs> Jordan's doing a happy dance. True. Yeah, and it, is, it brings like an extra roasty. The beer bringing an extra roasty quality to the bruschetta. Man, that's really good. That's one of the one. That's a great pairing where it actually is like changing both things that are happening. You know, it's it's elevating the the bruschetta, which is great by itself. It's elevating the beer, which is also great. Yeah. So, um, so um, Jordan, tell me a little bit about your kind of journey into beer. I know you uh, you grew up in. Montana mm-hmm. and Arkansas. You kind of did a back and forth. I did. Your, I flip flopped a lot. Your dad's job, but. <laughs> Um, tell us a little bit about your, kind of your journey getting into beer before we get into the dessert. 
So the first beer I ever remember having was a honey raspberry wheat from the Spanish Peak Brewing Company. Oh my, that sounds delicious. <laughs> it was really good. Um, but when I really got into beers, um, we were at my grandparents' house in Montana, and there's a brewery not far from where they live called the Bitterit Brewing Company. And my parents had gone and gotten uh, several growlers of different things, and they make a nut brown ale. They've changed the name a couple of times, so I couldn't tell you exactly what it's called at the moment. It used to just be called the nut brown ale. Okay, yeah. And they still know it as the nut brown ale. So if you go in and ask for it, they'll know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay, we'll pour this beer for you. We got you. Yeah. Um, and it was just malty and delicious and dark, but not too dark, heavy, but with lightness to it. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, I really like beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's kind of hooked you at that point. You're like, whoa, did not expect that. But okay, I'm, yeah. I'm here for this. And then... So I really got into browns for a while, um, and then I started to get into ambers um, with the Alaska Brewing Company amber, as well as when I was in Montana in my college years, they had um, a brewery in town called the Bozone. Oh, yeah. And they had the Bozone amber, Mm -hmm. and a friend of mine brought me, I had had it before, but probably shouldn't admit this but a friend brought me a crowler on a tw- on my 21st <laughs> happy birthday yeah at 8 a.m so oh. oh had you had your coffee yet no oh even worse <laughs> yeah but we had so she brought that by it was like happy birthday so i started obviously my 21st birthday drinking beer at way too early in the morning <laughs> um but it's just that's really where I started was browns and ales. And then I got into the darker stuff because my dad liked dark beer. And so it just kind of was around. Right. And it was one of those things that my dad and I would do, especially once I turned 21, was sit down and enjoy a beer and just have a conversation. Yeah. And he's not, he's gotten more into hoppy like IPAs and stuff because my mom likes them. <laughs> that's what I was going to ask. It was like, because of your mom. But we used to always drink dark stuff together and then. And we still do. And that's just like, yeah, that's, that's me and cool. beer right there. <laughs> yeah. Does your dad like barrel aged stuff? I know he's Not a, really. He's a, whiskey, he's a scotch it's, guy. It's weird because he does like whiskey and scotch and other things, but he's into barrel aged beers. Hmm. That is, that is kind of interesting. But cool. All right. Well, you ready to get into this tiramisu? So once again, this is a uh, Trader Joe's <laughs> special. Trader Joe's plug. We did not make this tiramisu from scratch. Uh, we opened the box and let it warm up before we started eating it. So yeah, but it's a it's a standard. It I mean it tastes like a traditional tiramisu. It's got that kind of boozy quality to it. So love tiramisu. It always reminds me. Never forget the first time I had tiramisu. Sounds like there's a story there. We had been at a soccer game and it we'd gone to watch my brother play and it was just my dad and I and. Then he had to come to Little Rock for a business meeting. So obviously, along I went. <laughs> yeah. And we went to Local Luna okay. here in town. Yeah. And we had dinner, and the guy brought his daughter, who was a couple of years younger than I am. And he's like, well, what do you want for dessert? And I was like, I'm too full to eat dessert. And he's like, well, I always get the tiramisu here. And so he ordered tiramisu, and I split tiramisu with one of my dad's business that's cool. So the first time you had tiramisu was with um, your dad and his business partner in Little Rock. Yep. Oh, cool. 
So, uh, what do you think of the pairing? Oh, let me have a sip of this beer. <laughs> it kind of brings out the bourbon barrel even more. Yeah. Where you got the kind of fruity herbiness with mm-hmm. the bruschetta. This brings out that bourbon really strong, but not in a bad way. It's just more prominent. Right. And I'm getting a lot of, I'm getting a lot of bitterness that's coming through too. Yeah, me too. From, I think it's from just kind of that, uh, the coffee that's in the tiramisu playing off the beer itself. Um, so that's kind of hmm. out of the three, not, not, not the my best. favorite. Yeah. Not the best, but it's still, it's not bad. Don't get me wrong. If you gave me this beer and a thing of tiramisu, I would eat it <laughs> and drink it. Don't, this, don't get that wrong. <laughs> you know, let's be honest. This beer pairs well with air. Yes. You know, it is a great just beer to drink by itself. Now it is pricey. Okay. So let's, let's, let's talk for a sec. Barrel-aged beers are expensive, and cult barrel-aged beers can be even more expensive. You know, this bottle, it's not even a full bomber bottle. It is a, it's a half liter, um, so it's 500 mils, and it was $20. You know, the ABV on it is running 12 and a half, so that's another thing you're going to find out about when it comes to barrel-aged beers. They're going to be higher in alcohol because they are, they sit in a alcohol barrel. <laughs> But the thing, this beer, and I've drank other 12 and a half beers or around there, it doesn't drink like a 12 and a half. Yeah, no, it definitely beer. does not. Like it's much smoother than that. It's not, it doesn't have that hotness yet sometimes from those high alcohol concentrated beers or liquors. Right. Yeah. It's so it's really, it's really, really very well balanced. Very good drink. I could get myself in big trouble with this. Yeah. It, it goes down very, very easy. So, um, I know I'm out. Uh, I'm almost out. <laughs> so which, what's been your favorite pairing so far? So far, I'm going with the bruschetta. Okay, yeah. I think so. Too. I think for me, too, there's just something about that, how it brought out the fruitiness in the beer that was unexpected and enjoyed it. Well, yeah, so I, you know, I kind of totally agree. You know, the, the best pairings were, in my opinion, were the bruschetta and the, the steak pie, too. You know, a little bit about this beer because, you know, we've just been chit-chatting about other things. But, you know, this beer comes from North Coast Brewing out of California. Uh, They've been brewing this beer for a long time. And when it comes to the, at least the barrel-aged beers that we have, that we're tasting here today, they're all based off of Imperial Stouts. Now, Imperial Stouts started back in the 18th century where English brewers were wanting to brew these bigger beers so they could travel farther you know, higher alcohol, so it wouldn't, you know, boil. And a lot of times they actually started making this stout and sending it over to Russia to Catherine the Great, or Catherine the Second, I think is what it was. And, you know, one of the reasons they did that was, you know, she really wanted the beer, and, like, so they had to come up with this new style um, of an imperial beer, or it's also known as a Russian Imperial stout. So imperial imperial stouts and Russian imperial stouts are usually the same thing. There may be some recipe differences, but they are usually the base of barrel aged beers because they have that hearty big backbone that can already hold up to them. Most of them, you know, run around 10, 11% by themselves. You know, Evil Twin is, you know, they're brewing what, 12, sometimes 12, 13%. They brew big beers without for sure. even, yeah, without even barrel aging them. You know, oh gosh, you want to, uh, even more juice. The little bee the is little my bee. favorite. Mm. 
Christmas Eve, or no, New Year's Eve in a New York City hotel room. That'd be so good. So uh, that's, that, was one of, that was one of the first doubts that I was like, okay, stop the presses. I don't want to drink this one fast. I want this one to last about it. But yeah, the old Rasputin, you know, it runs at 75 IBUs uh, naturally and 9% alcohol. So definitely the bourbon barreling brings that up. But I would think it would bring down the IBUs. I couldn't find really anything on the IBUs or how bitter it was. All right. So you ready to move over to the uh, Mother Familius from Mother's? All right. So we got the Mother Familius from Mother's Brewing. Now, uh, this beer used to be uh, called by a different name. Uh, It is no longer called by that name. Um, It it was called the MILF, if you've ever had it. Um, It was a really, really... You know, they take their Imperial Stout and they barrel age it, but they actually, with their barreling program, they have four different type of barrels that they will um, barrel age into. They'll actually barrel age in bourbon, they'll do rye, and then they actually do a rum cask. I've actually. I have been, I've only heard rumors about it. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's a, a brewery only. Maybe Maggie brought us one back. Who knows? Um, but once again, with our food, we've got some brie cheese. We've got some spicy Italian sausage with some cooked down peppers. And we have a apple pie filling. Um, Jordan and I are both on the team of that when it comes to fruit pies, uh, the filling is better than the crust. <laughs> it's just there to help you get the, the stuff to your mouth. So rather than make it a pie, we just went ahead and did the filling. I think it'll go really well with this. So let's uh let's give this beer kind of a <laughs> It's so different from Rasputin. Oh yeah. I smell something funky and I don't want to mess with the brain. I mean, definitely the first thing you smell is bourbon, but that's kind of a given bourbon barrel. Yeah. Aged stout. Yeah, you definitely get that bourbony. There's some bourboniness there that I didn't expect to smell. Yeah. I I get I smell bananas. I don't get into So you know that weird smell that you know, sometimes you get sake. I don't okay. Well, there's there's a there's a particular smell that comes out with sake sometimes, and some other liquors it's it's a banana smell because there's some kind of yeast that sometimes you, uh, even like with hefeweizens that will go off kind of banana smell. I mean that's the first thing you smell like in the alcohol. You know, it smells like banana or banana lavy. Is it like super ripe banana? Well, or? yeah, it's almost like canned like fake fake banana. Like banana laffy taffy, banana banana runt kind of stuff. Yuck. And it's not like it's not the only thing I smell, but that was just the first thing that hit me. Was like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad like, I don't banana. get that I banana laffy taffy. Yeah, it's it smells. Yeah, there's definitely some good roasty uh, cough cocoa nib stuff back there as well. That's so different. That definitely coats mm-hmm. the mouth than the first one. Yeah, it's really weighty. It kind of coats your mouth, holds that. And you get a lot of those still like roasted coffee, roasted cocoa nib, uh, dark chocolate. I mean, this one's a little bit more bitter. I think this would go from that tiramisu leftover. Um, so uh, we sh- uh, what do you want to start with with the pairings? I don't want to start with that cheese. Cause- okay, so let's, uh, let's start with the brie cheese. It's just some regular old brie. Um, if you can find them, we found these really cool uh, brie bites. Um, so it's like a little wheel of brie. Um, it's just uh, you just kind of pop in your mouth, snack like a little baby bell. Yeah, I went to get some today, and they were sold out at Trader Joe's. Yeah, so Bree's really weighty, you know, super buttery, super creamy. Hmm. I wonder how it's going. Ooh, I'm interested to see what you say about it. 
I don't want to cover you. The way the coach your mouth almost makes thinner original. Thought. Yeah. Yeah, it does kind of reduce the weightiness of the beer. Uh, to me, it brings up sweet. Yeah. The sweetness. You know, the first couple of tastes, it was really bitter. You know, kind of tastes a lot of those bitter sides. But now it's it's a lot sweeter. Getting more of like the kind of, you know, chocolate. Chocolate caramel. Yeah. And it's almost like it's a chocolate dessert. I can't put my, I mean, it's almost like a chocolate mousse. It just has that, you know, plus the light weightiness in the mouth. And that kind of sweeter, chocolatey, bittery. Like a chocolate mousse or a chocolate Yeah. Not that real. Because you still get the bitterness. So that's why I think Creme Brulee, because the sugar always gives it kind of a right. bitter note. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's still really roasty. You get all those kind of good roast, wonderful flavors that you find a lot in it. And, you know, I think it's really good. So tell us a little bit more about your kind of beer journey. You liked the... The st- you liked Amber's to kind of start, and how did you kind of move forward as a um, You know, like everybody, my early 20s, way too much cheap beer slash alcohol. The college phase. <laughs> yeah. Um, but as I got older, um, I had a couple of friends that were big stout and porter drinkers. I started hanging out with them a lot more, and it was not about the quantity you were drinking. It was truly about the quality, and it was like, Let's sit down and drink this mm-hmm. stout from, like, this coffee stout from Kona Brewing Company. Or um, there was one called Pig's Ass Porter mm-hmm. that we drank a lot of. And it was more getting into those really dark, darker, richer, more flavorful beers and sitting down and having those conversations. Yeah, so it turned into it turned, a connection. Yeah. Hang out. And, you know. I had a friend who he always had chilled glasses. Oh. Always. He always had chilled beer glasses in his freezer. (laughs) And it was like, I'd go over, we'd hang out, we'd have a beer, he'd pour it in a chilled glass, and we'd sit there with this really nice ice cold beer, which I agree is not the best way for a stout always. Right. They tend to get richer as they get warmer. Uh Uh-huh. But it was just that like camaraderie and sitting and enjoying and having those conversations. And I was like, I'm really liking this versus, you know, your Bud Light or your Mick Ultras or whatever. And they have their place. Yeah. And they have their following for a very good reason. But it really just, I've moved more away from that and started getting into, and then from there, I got introduced to some good Heffenweizens mm-hmm. and things of that nature. And I just like, all right, I'm hooked. Yeah. Cause you're, you know, you're an, you're an extrovert. Oh, so, very much so. You know, you have that connection with people. And so the, your, your beer journey really developed around being with other people and what, what could they give you or what did they, what did they have for you? And you're like, Oh, well, this is much cooler. Well, yeah. You know, I enjoyed my time out running around the bars, you know, playing beer pong <laughs> for sure, you know, but you learned that, Oh, there's other stuff out here and there's a different, there's another way that I can drink and enjoy enjoy the beer that I'm having but not have to you know have the party exactly well, that's cool and it is a totally different aspect and yeah. you find a different group of people right when you get into some of those situations yeah because I can't imagine you know I could imagine walking into a party with one bomber and somebody looking at me and be like what you're only gonna have one beer I'm like yeah this beer is probably gonna last me 
an hour and a half, you know, well, maybe not that long, but because it's going to be delicious, but I'm not going to throw this on the beer pong table. Ooh. I don't want, I don't want that to go there. I don't want to have to drink it quickly. I'm not going to play flip cup with this. It's exactly. It's something that's actually meant to be enjoyed because of what it is, not the atmosphere. And trust me, you do not want to play flip cup or beer oh pong with God. dark beer. I can't imagine that. It would be so cool. Like terrible. It's just terrible. so heavy. I mean, most, you know, they're heavier, but so what we, uh, we're trying now. We so we we moved on to the kind of the entree with the the spicy sauces, and man, for me, woo, woo, it's hot. Everybody, you know, I'm a, I've said that if I've said it once, I've said it quite a few times. I am a wuss when it comes to spicy, and this hot Italian sausage is, you know, it's kind of lighting my tongue on fire a little bit. I'm starting to sweat, um, so I'm hoping the you know kind of the sweetness from this is going to calm that down and really kind of t- you know kind of like a sweeter reasoning with Thai food, kind of what I'm, man, and it really. Mm-hmm. It enhances the sweetness of that, and yeah. surprisingly, it doesn't bring out alcohol. A lot of times, some spicy things can spice can bring out bring out alcohol to be more noticeable, and it really doesn't. There's just so much roasty and sweetness from the bourbon and the imperial stout here that it's, it might be eat some spicy food now <laughs> <laughs> at twenty dollars a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's the problem. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'll, I'll stick to you know my ten dollar reasoning if I'm gonna have something spicy. But yeah, so this is really good. So once again, this is from uh, Mother's Brewing Company in uh, Springfield, Missouri, actually, and they do some really really stuff. Like they put out an imperial pumpkin ale every year. Like they, I know pumpkin. I know for you and me, pumpkin ales aren't really the best, but man, they they take it all out and make it um, make it an imperial. And speaking of browns, um, they do a really good brown. Have you ever had three blind mice? Yes. <laughs> of course you have. So what uh, what do you remember about three blind mice? I know uh, it's probably been a while since it's, I had it. It's been a minute. Um, probably actually closer to a year than a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to say everything is a minute these days. That's uh, COVID time. But it's just, it's a really solid brown, nice maltiness to it from what I remember. Um, details are a little bit hazy because I said, like I've said, it's been a while. But it was one I definitely enjoyed. I think I should pick up a six pack of that soon. Yeah, definitely. You know, Mother's, Mother's is one of those places that kind of started out as uh, just, you know, home brewers that wanted to that had some really good stuff that shared it out. You know, they, they moved in a downtown area in Springfield and kind of started to, you know, bump it up. Our friend Maggie was actually up there this weekend mm-hmm. um, at the last weekend of their uh, Oktoberfest. I guess they were releasing a new beer every Saturday of the, of the month of September. And her birthday was, her birthday was in, so she went up there for that and sounded like she had a really, really good time. So, yeah, this is a really cool, you know, well, this is a really cool company. They've got a lot of really good beers. Um, For sure. And I love that. I love the way they play off that they're mothers. I mean, they have um, Little Helper. They have the toe, like Mother's Little Helper. They yeah. have, you know, Mother's Toehead, which is their blonde, which is their blonde ale. Yep. Which is a really, it's a, yes, it is. Um, the Mother Familia. Yes. And then the, uh, the Mother Familius, <laughs> which is, you know. Their imperial stout line, and they do it in a like short bottle as well as the bombers. But we here in Arkansas only get 
the bombers. And I haven't had, have you had the rye version of this? No. Do we have it? I have not been able to find the rye version. Not saying it's not sold Mm -hmm. in Arkansas because, you know, Springfield's only about three, four hours from here. Um, But it's probably just every time I go look, they're sold out. (laughs) Right. And, you know, now that we're getting into falls, you'll start to find a lot of the Baltic Baltic porters, Imperial Stouts. You know, it's dark beer season. You know, you get through Oktoberfest. And after Oktoberfest, start to come the porters, stouts. You know, I was talking to one of our local beer guys here and trying to find beers for this podcast. And he's like, oh, yeah, we've got all this stuff coming on the next truck. And I'm like, the next truck is going to help now. So, but I'm really glad I remembered about this mother, matter, uh, yeah, matter familias. They actually have like the pronunciation (laughs) out on the bottle. Um, But something that was really cool about them that I started looking at is they use Willet, uh, Willet bourbon barrels. Okay. And they actually single barrel um, the beer. So they don't like barrel age the beer and then dump into a big vat and then bottle it. They actually bottle front single barrels, which I thought was really, really cool. Because most of the time you don't, you don't find that. A lot of times they'll like mix everything back together so you don't get that kind of characteristic. So you get more of an even keeled right. barrel age because one that might be a little bit stronger or weaker gets mixed in and comes together as one. Yeah, and they and they keep it in the barrel for you know thirteen months. Is for a barrel aged beer, that's a long time. That's a long time. Because I mean, we talked to our friend, and you know what, ninety nine to four or five months. Yeah, maybe a little bit less, depending on the when they get it. This year seems to be short. Yeah, when they get into the barrel, but you know they're not having their party this year, so maybe maybe they'll hold on to. It. I know it's super sad, but beer. I mean, ninety nine. Yeah, we've talked <laughs> we've talked about ninety nine before on the podcast. One of these times we're actually gonna have to drink it on the podcast, and it's glorious because you know that triple barrel rye bourbon. If you and your dad are opening so ninety night, cool. I might just come sit quietly in the background <laughs> and bum ninety night. I think it would be you and a couple other people who'd be sitting there, and just like we'd have a peanut gun. Maybe that would be like we'll just do a big hangout peanut gallery. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a a mic over there. All right, I think we're ready for the la- for our dessert. You know, the apple pie filling. Nobody this, needs the crust. In this mirror. <laughs> yeah, so it's one of those, like, it kind of reminds me of the olive theory um, in How I Met Your Mother. I, there's got to be a pie theory. There's got to be a crust theory, I think. Man, those are, mm. huh. you know, it kind of, it kind of brings out that bitterness. Oh. oh, yeah, it does. Yeah. You know, Maggie, Maggie talked about when she was pairing her saltern with something sweet, she was like, you know, you can, you can pair sweet stuff with sweet, with sweet drink with sweet food, but the drink has to be sweeter than the food. And I think we may be running into something like that here where, you know, the sweetness of this beer, while it's, it's there, it's not as quite as sweet as apple pie. Yeah. I think it's too much sweet on sweet and it's causing it to go bitter. Yeah. I've already eaten all my tiramisu. Do you have any of that? You, I think the tiramisu might actually, I do have some tiramisu. I'm happy to share. (laughs) Because of the coffee, because that coffee and the cocoa powder on top, I think it would actually this than it was. I'm gonna try some of that as well. Mm. Since there's still a bite or two here. Oh, yeah, that's that's better. That's better. I wish I had some of the old Rasputin left because I taste the apples with that. But I don't. Oh, did we kill that bottle already? Yeah, I mean it's only a pint. You know, (sighs) like a pint and a half an ounce. (laughs) Like it's not a it's not a full bomber. Yeah. That's the sad thing. Yeah. Because I think well, that old recipe, and I'm like, <laughs> I wonder if I can get the rim out of my glass. <laughs> yeah. Can I get, 
apples. I think that's, that's a, those apples are really good by themselves. You know, I think that's, you know, kind of crazy. Those would be really good over some vanilla ice cream. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so these, you know, this beer, you know, like we talked about, is, this one is also based on the Imperial Stout. Um, I think the Imperial Stout comes out at about 9 or 10. Uh, they Because when it's in the bottle... But barrel aging is at 11. So it's, you know, these are, you know, big boozy beers. You know, you don't want to drink them really quickly. Because A, they'll sit in your stomach really hard because there is a lot kind of. They, There's a lot going on there. They're filling. You know, they're, they're not light beer by any means. They're kind of the antithesis of that. But yeah. Right. And allowed to warm up. So if you were to give some tips to kind of any beer drinkers out there who are looking to kind of move into darker beers based on your journey, kind of what would you suggest? I would still say start with like an amber or brown or several because yes, they are darker, but they're not so dark that some dark beers can be really, really overpowering and scary. Because mm-hmm. when something like this Mother Familias or even the old Rasputin, even though it's gone, you know, is pitch black you can't see your finger through it like am i drinking soda yeah well i mean my dad and i've talked about and you and i have i think drank it old engine oil Mm -hmm. from the scotch barrel yeah um but just and try something find a good friend that possibly already drinks dark beers or is wanting to get into that darker thing try them together sit down have that conversation um even if it's not about the beer just sit down and have a good conversation enjoy the beer drink it slowly it's Mm -hmm. not something you down right even a brown or um an, you know, or an any, amber yeah, like any, it's it's not something you sit there and just down but sip on it enjoy it um swish it around in your mouth heck even spit a little bit out mm-hmm. do do the whole wine thing like swish it around spit it out take in those flavors smell it look at the color um try and figure out what flavors are there what you enjoy what you don't enjoy because not every brown is the same not every amber is the same not every stout is the same and as you get more comfortable in that realm then maybe move into a stout or a porter find a good bartender that knows his or her stuff Mm -hmm. and ask for recommendations how many beers i have found that i enjoy by just asking a bartender Mm-hmm. what they like or just saying i trust you yeah i want a beer i want a darker one like give me something that tastes good give me something that you think tastes good and let's give it a shot you're not going to get 100 percent success on that right you're gonna get some things you don't like mm-hmm. i've had it happen but then i know that i don't like beer right i want something else yeah and that's the thing you know i you know i kind of talk about it a lot you know always drink what you like Eat what you like and drink what you like. But at the same time, don't be afraid to try something new and tr- find somebody you trust. If you, don't tr- if you don't have a bar that you trust, next time you're going to pick up your standard six-pack from a liquor store and you've got a guy you trust at the liquor store, say, hey, I'm thinking about branching out. I don't want to buy a four-pack. Uh, but the next time I go down to a, brew, or, you know, a beer place, or go to a restaurant, what's something you suggest that I order if I want to try, you know, darker beers, stark beer season? And they'll always have recommendations. Always. And the other thing that I, that I've done on the opposite end of the spectrum to help me kind of broaden 
my horizons in beers that I don't really is I watch my local breweries for their beer releases. Yes. When they're, you know, we've got a brewery in town. They don't do it much anymore since COVID. But they used to release a new beer every Monday. And I, was, I would go every Monday. It was my thing. I'd get off work. They released it at 4 o'clock. <clears throat> I would go down there. If I was there a little early, I'd wait, get to know the bar people a little bit. And I would try the beer, whatever it was. Even if it was, I think one time I tried a triple imperial IPA. Because it was the beer, and ugh, I did not enjoy it, but I did it because it was like, I, I mean, I want to expand myself. And it reaffirmed that you're not an IPA drinker, mm-hmm. but you know that, hey, I am not going to order a triple imperial IPA yeah. and on ever the, again. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and on the flip side of that, there were some IPAs that I tried and was like, okay, I get this. I understand why people like this. I don't really enjoy it as much, but I could drink one of these. Yeah. You know, if somebody offered it to me, I would drink it. Or, you know, if it was at, at an event that I was at and there weren't any other beers, I'm like, I know now that I can try that one, but I wouldn't have ordered it straight out the show. And then just, or just, you know, find the, now that it's fall, like a lot of people are going to start being putting out more dark beers. Like we said, your browns, your imperial, you know, your porters. Your Baltics, your We are in stout and porter season, and it makes my heart happy. (laughs) We definitely are in that season. So if you got a local brewery you love, just, and they're like, oh, hey, you know, we're releasing our new uh, brown ale today. All right. I'll have one and just give it a try or ask for a taster of it. Or if they have flights, which most breweries do. So say you know they've got three beers that you really like, or even four beers you really like, but instead of getting that fourth beer in your flight that you really like, try it. Because the worst thing is, is you're tied to two, three, I don't know, maybe four ounces. Yeah, it's usually whatever, three, four ounces. Whatever your flight pour is, you're tied to not even a half pour of beer. Yep. You're tied to like a quarter pour of beer. So if you absolutely hate it, you still only have a little bit to drink. Mm-hmm. At that point, you can't shoot it like a shot and be done with it. Right. Or if you're hanging with other people, be like, here, I don't like this. Exactly. Just pass it off. Hey. You know, it is COVID. But have, <laughs> have more than one sip, too. Even if Because sometimes you don't like it because what you had before is still on your palate. I was told the good rule is three sips. Yep. Three sip rule. First to, first to experience it with what's on your palate. Second, to have that first fresh taste. And then third, to make sure. Mm-hmm. You know, you can really get through everything, in my opinion, in, in three sips. You know, some people say two sips because you want to wash and then you find out your first one. But I've, always, I've, I've come to find out when I've done that, I, I still don't think I gave the, the drink a fair shake on that last. Yeah, I, I think the three sip rule is good. And if you're feeling really adventurous, Throw the fourth sip in there for good measure. Yeah. And at that point, if you're drinking, if you have a flight pour, you're pretty much you're done. You're basically done. At that point. Because, <laughs> you know, an ounce of sip really isn't that much. Yeah. All right. Well, this was a good, this was a great tasting. Yeah. You know. I agree. We had some good pairings. We had some not, so, nothing was bad, but not right. some, not so great pairings. But you always learn something when you put food with it. So overall, what was your favorite? pairing tonight i'm still gonna go with either the bruschetta or the scotch and steak pie and i really wish 
I would have left some of that filling from that scotch and steak pie to try with this second beer because I don't care so much about the pastry around it, but it definitely ate all my filling. Yeah, I agree. You know, that bruschetta with something about that tomato and that I just, you know, sang with that old recipe. And actually, I just tried it with the, the mothers and it worked really, really well. I'm about to try it with the mothers because I have another piece of this bruschetta on my plate. Yeah, it's really good. And, you know, it was really, you know, it was a little time consuming, but it was actually, it wasn't a whole lot of effort, you know, just roasting the tomatoes, putting them in a blender and then putting them in a pan, adding their, you know, really just kind of help deepen the flavor. But, you know, it really, it brings out the fruit, a fruity quality into the beers. And then, you know, the beer brings an extra level of sweetness that's kind of actually missing in the bruschetta. Itself. Yeah, that's good. Right. Well, I think it's that time where we get to blind a beer. And since you're a guest, I'm not going to subject you to the blind. We've got one that you can blind me on. Woo-hoo! And I don't know what it is, but we'll... uh Take a short break and we'll get that. Sounds good. All right. So here we go. I'm going to be tasting, blind tasting this beer. I'm going to be using the deductive beer tasting method from Rich Higgins, who is a master sommelier as well as, or no, he is a master Cicerone and he's a certified sommelier. All right. So this beer is, it's got kind of this orangish reddish hue. Um, it is, uh, it's, there's a little bit of haziness in it, but I can definitely, I can definitely probably read something through it. Uh, there's no sediment. The foam is a white, it's a white color. There, the head doesn't last on this one very long. It kind of, kind of goes quick because, you know, I poured it just a couple minutes ago and it's almost all gone now. Lots of bubbles coming out of the glass though. All right. Let's take this for a smell. Hmm. Okay, so there's definitely some like bourbony aroma to this. Really sweet, malty. The intensity on it's not that high. Definitely like kind of a rich malty grain kind of thing. I wouldn't say it says any kind of like uh, rice or anything. Definitely not really getting any kind of nuts. Maybe some like toasted cashews or toasted um, almonds on it. There's. Not really any coffee, kind of a light toastiness to it. So like maybe really golden brown, delicious toast. Some light floral in there. No really like tea notes or pine. Definitely driven by its malt over its uh, hop. Really driven by the barrel kind of smell. A little bit of spiciness. I'm not really getting any earthy or um, soury or kind of no wood, but there's definitely liquor. There's definitely liquor taste. Smell on the taste. Alcohol, barrel aged. <laughs> I would definitely say that this is a barrel aged beer. Um, the sweetness is a little bit higher on it. Bitterness is pretty high as well. Um, as- acidity is kind of slow. Uh, it's perceiving as pretty sweet. Uh, there's, I'm not really getting any kind of um, spiciness or salt. No, we're like umami. There's a little bit of umami on it, um, but it's definitely like uncharacteristic. It's not like mushroomy. Or anything like that. There's definitely a lot of those same smell, a lot of those same notes that I was getting on the smell. I was, uh, I got on the palate. Still some of that definitely roasted malty sweetness, um, toast. There's a little bit more 
floridity on the palate than there was on the nose. It's very kind of coating, coating on the mouth. Uh, you know, it's kind of, I would say this, I mean, alcohol is going to be a full-bodied beer. A little bit light on the palate, though. Coats, but not really. Uh, there's some, like, honey butter kind of stuff going on on it. Um, I would definitely say that <laughs> definitely a higher alcohol beer. Um, I'd say well above the eight, nine percent because I'm, I'm definitely gonna say it's barrel aged. Um, it really, IBU, it's, it's got a bitterness on it, but there's definitely a lot of sweetness on it. Um, can't quite nail it down to it here. Um, so because of the color and what I perceive to be some barrel agedness and that light fluidity, uh, I've never had one of these. Um, I'm gonna say this is like a barrel aged. Uh, um, like more of an English style pale ale, but it's been it's definitely spent some time in barrel. Uh, bet definitely suburban barrel age aging. Um, but it's really good. Well, you know, so we'll see uh, next time if uh, if I'm right or if I'm wrong. Um, if I'm good as beer tasting as I think. And uh, the next episode we're gonna do is gonna be a liquor episode. We're gonna focus on rum gonna be really exciting you know my dad's coming back from his trip so we'll have a couple rums going on with the show uh, i want to thank my good friend and drinking buddy jordan for stopping it on the podcast and helping me out while my dad's gone well thanks jordan thank you for having me i appreciate it all right and don't forget to follow us on your favorite podcast platform give us a uh rating and review if your platform doesn't have ratings or review would you jump over uh, if you can, to the iTunes platform and give us a good rating and a review. We'd love to hear from you, see what we could do better, and also see what you guys are liking. Uh, follow us on Instagram, at Acquired Tastings. I post, I post out the stories, mostly of what we're going to be doing, as well as uh, po- uh, like actual posts. Uh, we're on Facebook um, with Acquired Tastings as well. And we also have a presence on Twitter, at Acquired Tasting. No S there. Well, once again, um, I thank you guys for coming. And I'm Josh Mills, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye.